The crimes, the criminals, why did they do it? Who got hurt? Did they meet justice or commit the perfect crime? You'll find all the clues at Jim Harold's Crime Scene. Welcome to the crime scene. I'm Jim Harold, and so glad to be with you once again. And I certainly appreciate it. And I appreciate our guest. He's probably been on this show more than anybody, uh, just because he keeps writing interesting books. Um, always, you know, a pretty heavy subject matter. And this one is no exception. It's called In Chains, The Dangerous World of Human Trafficking. And the author is Alan R. Warren, uh, along with R.J. Parker. Uh, Alan, uh, I know you do the radio show. You do many of these books and uh, you've had a great deal of success with it. Why did you decide to turn your attention to this this, uh, sad world of human trafficking? Well, to be real honest, I didn't. Actually, what happened was RJ came to me and uh, brought it up. And I was kind of, um, well, you know, it sounds interesting. And uh, he kind of, um, uh, you know, pushed me a little bit. It was probably about six months. And then I finally said, okay, well, I'll start doing some research. And, And it's one of those when you start talking to people and getting involved in cases with people that have been trafficked, it, it really draws you in. It's something that it, it's just, I, I, I can't say enough. You get more and more involved and it just pulls you in. And all of a sudden, um, here it is, you know, it's, uh, there's so much to write about. So, I mean, this seems to have gotten greater recognition lately. We're hearing a lot more about it. Now, is it just the recognition is increasing or is the actual trafficking increasing or is it both? A little bit of both. The the increase in the actual trafficking is not um, anything different. It's, it's, it's going up probably about the two to three percent average that it always has been but for some reason um the media has been more involved and and doing more about it and talking more about it which i i can't really tell you why because i i'm sort of surprised in a sense uh, because there's so much going on in the world not that this is an important, but for, you know, for this to kind of start coming out of the uh, left wing, so to speak, it's just kind of, uh, it, it was surprising to me. Now, is this something, you know, a lot of times here, you're up in Canada, I'm here in America, North America, we think we're safe from some of these things. These are things that happen other places, but I'm assuming you found that that's, that's not true. Oh, by far not true, uh, because uh, for the most part, um, some of the worst uh, offenses in the trafficking has been uh, organ trafficking and sex trafficking. And it's countries like the U.S., Canada and and the U.K. that are the largest uh, in demand. So they're buying more of this than anywhere else. So uh, in a lot of cases like the organ trafficking where we're buying livers and different body parts, uh, it's, it's the rich people in our countries that are buying them. So they're creating the demand. And whether it's um, taken by force um, or whether people are, are willingly selling their body parts, uh, that, that happens in other countries mainly. It's not like they're, they're taking people off the, 
the street in in the states here or the or Canada, um, it's just readily available in poor countries and countries that legalized the the ability to sell. So um, we're we're just sort of creating the demand. We have the money and the ability to buy these things and even the sex trafficking. So. I mean, how does how do how is this allowed to happen? I how does this how do the syndicates I assume that control this how do they work and how do they go undetected? I mean, this would seem like such an in-your-face kind of offense that it it couldn't exist in the modern world. How does it happen? Well, you know, um, as as in organ tra- trafficking itself, the U.S. is probably the largest consumer or buyer of that product because it's privatized when you have the privatized medical systems you can have doctors in a private hospital treating a uh, fairly wit- rich person uh, who needs some 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 organ and then rather than waiting they pay them and these uh, medical facilities and doctors are just buying what they need to fill their their, their, their requirement for the rich person coming in and and they get away with it a lot the fbi i have one report there that the fbi did catch uh, a group of doctors and medical centers that were doing this um but it's going on way more than they can handle like the, the fbi will never be able to cover even a, a tenth of what's going on so in cases like that there's nobody to really um watch this so it goes on totally unregulated um when, when you get to sex trafficking that's different um but again it's left alone um and it just happens in waves like the one when i when we were finishing the book that's what i talk about in the beginning about uh, bob Kraft, you know new england patriot owner and how he got caught in that um orchids of asia down in florida and uh it's the same sort of thing but you know and nothing gets changed because someone like bob Kraft will get a fine probably won't show up in court ever and nothing will happen you know and it'll be a small fine you know five hundred thousand dollars this is a billionaire it's not nothing the owner of the place actually in this particular case she has 20 other spas that offer the same services, um, she'll get maybe a two, three thousand dollar fine, and will continue to operate these other services. And the people that get hurt are the people being trafficked. You know, all the girls from China that, that they had trapped in these places get arrested, charged, and within six months go back, get deported back to China, with a record where now they're shunned in the in their home country. They're the ones that actually get kind of, you know, treated the worst throughout the whole process and everybody else continues on. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I can say about it. It's just sort of you're just watching this cycle go on and on. And um, a question on that, because I'm not clear. I've not been following it that closely. Has it been established 100 percent that those were sex workers working against their will at that uh, spa with craft was the, has that been firmly established well you know um the legal system will not spend enough money to really go 100%. Um, the, the difficulty is that, um, you know, these these girls, uh, most of them have come from China. Most of them don't speak English or very little. 
uh, they were living 15 people to a room with a hot plate. Um, if they weren't being held against their will, um, they had terrible living conditions and they weren't supposed to be in the country. I, I don't know. Um, and most of them come up with the saying that, you know, well, we were promised a job working in a spa and they would get us American citizenship. And when they got there, it was something different. And uh, they're usually told that they have to work off the debt for uh, being brought to the States and get and given the job and, and a place to live. And which, you know, they can, they'll never pay that off. It's something outrageous. You know, they get told they're $50,000 or something for the, <laughs> and so they're working. And so either process, whether they think they're working for their freedom or whether they're being held, um, the legal system won't go that far. They'll just charge them with um, soliciting sex um, and deport them. You know, they're not going to spend the money on the, on that. That particular case aside, I'll say this. I have always, uh, now, people can decide for themselves if there's uh, moral value in prostitution and sex work. I'm not going to get into that debate. That's up to pre people's personal morality. I've always kind of felt, until I started to think about this, this, uh, this angle of this angle of um, uh, human trafficking, I was thought, well, two consenting adults, as long as they're adults and they're not hurting anybody else and it's an exchange. Um, just for the record, I've uh, never gone down that uh, avenue. <laughs> Either way, I've not, uh, no, <laughs> I've not sold myself or, or vice versa. But, but, but the point, but the point, and right now, um, well, never mind. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Anyway, the point being that I used to be of the thought to consenting adults, what's the problem? Not that I believe that it's particularly the greatest thing in the world to do, but again, I'm kind of a, a live and let live kind of person. As long as you're not, you know, it's the old, you know, your right to throw a punch ends at my nose. Um, if you're not hurting anybody, hey, have fun. I don't care. But the more that I hear about this human trafficking, it sounds like one side of that equation many, many times is not consenting. And that's a huge, huge problem. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. I think that you're right. You know, we're supposed to be in a free country. And as adults, we're supposed to be able to live free, you know, pay our taxes and let's not break any laws. And and if anything, help each other. Um you know, so if if that be the case, then if two adults want to enter a, a contract like that, I agree. I'll let them. But the the, the problem with these is is that um, a lot of these cases they're not adults first off, and they're foreign and they don't speak English and they don't know the culture, and they're brought to a country and they're really out of place. Um, so they're at a you know they're really um, under pressure to perform, so to speak, and. Uh, and uh, I think it's, um, you know, that's, that's where it's bad. And that's what we need to be taking care of. Uh, not, not just uh, two adults uh, meeting somewhere and, and one uh, dropping a $50 bill after they had an encounter. We're talking about uh, uh, someone that's quite often underage and they, they, they shouldn't be in that position. Not at all. And personally, I believe that anybody that exploits a, 
a child underage uh, for sexual purposes or otherwise belongs in a special place in hell. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, as a parent and just as, a, I hope, a caring human being, I just, uh, there are a few things that uh, that make me more uh, upset than that. It's just a horrible, horrible thought. Now, um, I want to go back to this organ thing because this is... Uh, this is really disturbing. So the the picture you're painting, let's say I'm a wealthy uh, a wealthy entrepreneur and I have a failing liver or I have a failing kidney or a failing heart, whatever the case may be. I call a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy and presto changeo, I've got a, a new heart to be put in and, oh, uh, you know, it just fell off of the back of a truck. Is that basically the picture that you're painting? Well, it's a lot better. It's a lot better organized. Um, we actually have organ brokers, they call them. And and there's broker-friendly hospitals and clinics. And the doctors are, um, some of them stay out of it, but they perform the surgery and some of them are involved. So um, the recent case of, with the FBI, of course, doctors were involved, but I think there was 40 of them in all. Uh, so what happens is these organ brokers are international. And they have connections uh, with these broker-friendly hospitals, and um, so yeah, you you um, you um, Jim Harold walks into a, a, one of these hospitals and said and needs a transplant of some sort. You don't want to wait, or waiting would be really, you know, it might threaten your life. Uh, you will shell out one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars to get that organ. And uh, the hospital will arrange with the broker and get that for you and perform the surgery for you. And then you leave and everything goes on like normal. And that's sort of the, the problem. So it's much better organized. It's not like just falling off a truck. <laughs> um, yeah, that is just disturbing. And this has been, yeah. I take it, going on for, for quite a while. Oh, yeah, quite a while. That's why it's so well-developed. Um, I mean, right now, uh, I put prices in the books. You know, right now, a kidney is going for $262,000 American average. Um, people are buying eyes for $1,500. Uh, they're buying um, uh, spleen, uh, parts of the stomach. Um, you know, small intestines are $2,500. Um, I was surprised. The liver is about one hundred and fifty thousand, uh, you know, and even a heart. You know, it surprised me because it was only one hundred and twenty thousand. So it's it's one of the cheaper um, body parts you can get, and, and so this might sound like, oh well, who's being hurt? Well, what's being hurt is way back in another country, like Ethiopia or things like that. The government has allowed their people to sell body parts. And so they're Ugh. selling their body parts to these brokers who end up giving them to these um, clinics and hospitals. And uh, so, so, <laughs> so th that's one level. And the other one is some of them are being, which I put quite a few in there, and quite a bit in the Eastern Bloc part of Europe, uh, people are actually being uh, taken and uh, forcibly having organs removed. And that's the most terrifying one. And I put there's a story of a guy that was from from the UK that was studying in a university, and that's what happened. 
And, uh, you know, next thing he knows, he wakes up in his apartment and someone's operated on him and taken a body part out of him. So that's where people are getting hurt. Um, so why is it allowed, and in, in, you can address on both sides of the aisle, the organ side and the sex trafficking side. Why is this allowed to continue? I mean, obviously, if you, Alan Warren, along with R.J. Parker, you're aware of it, uh, it's in the media, we know it's happening. Why is it not stopped? You know, that's it's kind of a big question. I, I, it, I don't know that there's an answer. I think, I think one problem is there's a lot of international... Um, there's countries that are involved that don't always coordinate with other countries. Uh, so that's one, one issue. Um, the other is the amount that we spend on our law enforcement and with FBI and how much they want to contribute to something like this. Uh, again, now that it's getting a media attention, it's starting to gain more focus and you might see more um, arrests going on and you might start to hear more about it in the news because of that. So that, you know, the book in a sense was put out um, to really bring awareness to this sort of issue. And um, hopefully, um, you know, other people also contribute, you know, we need more, uh, more media attention that seems to get things done better than anything else. Uh, so that is the key. You think you think the key here is to get the word out more in the media and, and spot, uh, shine a spotlight on this. Yeah. For the most part, you know, I, I, it concerns me, um, especially in the United States because of the amount that so many wealthy people have so much power and, um, it, you know, that worries me because that, that's the demand. It's not like you and me. The, the, the truth is, like people like average people like you and me and, and even most of the listeners here are not the type to go out to a, a friendly hospital like that and uh, try to buy some liver illegally. Um, that For the most part, we don't have the money and the resources or the, you know, the connections to do that. We're talking about people that are in the, in the upper class that have a lot of money. And that's the ones, uh, because even getting back to the Bob Kraft thing, not that I'm picking on him, um, but, you know, here's a billionaire that will pay a couple hundred dollars in a fine and can just go about life and nothing's going to change. Not that he should get the whole weight of the problem put on him, but that's sort of the scenario. Uh, the people that are actually buying the organs or are getting the sex work like this um, are still going to get it even if we do get attention. So I, I just, it's just one of those things. I, I don't know. I can't give an answer, I guess, what I'm saying, but uh, bringing attention is the only thing I can do. Now, do you think, and then this is really maybe getting a little conspiratorial, but do you think maybe some of the reason it's allowed to continue is that some of the people who could help stop it or maybe partaking in, in some of these, uh, these hoard practices? I, I wouldn't normally because I'm, 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 you know, I've been through tons of conspiracies with lots of people and interviews and books. And, and if anything, I'm a little bit more um, skeptical than, than, than I used to be, you know, 10 years ago, I was all in, but now I'm, so I, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to start throwing that it's, you know, the Koch brothers or George Soros and all this sort of stuff. I mean, what, you know, I think that 
humans just do these things and um with with money become comes power and um i don't know that there's a big plan conspiracy you know it's you know anything like that and i certainly saw no evidence of that i just think it's pretty simple you have a couple of billion dollars this is what you want you buy it and you have great legal assistance to stop anything from happening to you and you have connections and i think that's what comes with having all that money and power and um I don't know that there's really anything conspiratorial, you know, there's a lot of, you know, around Facebook and stuff, you see tons of uh, the the lady that owned this uh, orchids of Asia spa in Jupiter, Florida, I think it was, Um, you know, there's all these pictures of her at the White House with, with Donald Trump. I mean, and there's all sorts of stuff going around, but you know, again, what does that mean? You know, some people that don't like him will jump on and say, obviously he's involved and he's behind it. And others, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't see any evidence of that. I think they're all just working for their own profits. Um, how can we protect our loved ones? I mean, I know you said much of this stems from the third world. Um, but for those of us who are not from there, and, and I feel so sorry for those people as well, I don't want to. I don't want to minimize what they're going through with these kind of things because it's just as tragic if if uh, somebody uh, gets kidnapped from mid uh, mainstream USA. Uh, a life is a life. But for people listening to this show, is there something that we can do to protect ourselves, or possibly if we're worried about younger loved ones who would be targets of these kind of nefarious things? Uh, what are best practices to to keep ourselves safe? Well, the biggest thing going on in the States right now is um, teenage girls. And uh, they meet a guy, they start dating, you know, and he's dreamy. He's everything that uh, you'd want in a boyfriend type thing is how they say it. Um, But but what they really are is, is traffickers. And we come across several girls like this, and there's several stories covering this. Um, that you can find out even on the internet and different news sources. And, you know, they, they meet a guy, they date him, and eventually the guy talks them into moving out of home and moving in with him. And what they do, as soon as they get them in, the, in their place, uh, they change their looks, color their hair, take away their ID, and ship them to another city um, in part of a connection of this sort of trafficking. And all of a sudden now they're being trafficked. This is like some 15-year-old girl that was just in high school and living at home six months before. So that's that's the biggest um, problem going on in the U.S. And that's the one we have to be aware of the most that's closest to home. And, um, you know, other than being totally involved in, in who your children are, be, who, who they're around, I don't know what else there is, you know. It's, it's, that's a really tough one because how many teenagers want to tell their parents everything, right? Right. And it, the thing is, is and I just recently um, interviewed uh, Mark Ol- Olshaker. He's done a series of books with John Douglas, who is the inventor of FBI profiling, basically. 
And he, he kind of made a semi joke. We were talking about all of this very seriously, but he said, I wouldn't want to be the teenage daughter of an FBI agent because they've seen all these horrible things, for example, that serial killers do. But the point is, is that I, I don't know as the, you know, as a parent myself, I'd rather err on the side of being a little too watchful and a little too concerned because there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And yeah, it's a numbers game and chances are your kid's going to be fine. Uh, but for my money, you know, you don't get a do over with that stuff. So, uh, you know, I say mm -hmm. if a parent is paying a little more attention and uh, maybe being a little paranoid, good on them, in my opinion, because there's reasons to be paranoid in this day and age. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, we got to realize that the kids, um, you know, our kids um, have a totally different world they're living in. They have a totally different um, people are, have so much more access to them through all this social media and their cell phones. And, that. It, it, you know, and that never happened when we were kids, that, you know, that just wasn't what it was going on. You know, they, if someone wanted to do something to you, they're kidnapping you on the street or in a park or doing something right it's now it's different they they can get right into your into your family's homes and lives and get more intimate into that um through social media so that's it's, it's it's a new world and i think we're all learning uh, day to day on how how we have to deal with this you know and the other aspect you have to look at is when when you go out to a place that's um a, a restaurant or some sort of service um, um, orientated business or farm, um, they say it's very important to keep an eye out for people that look like they're, they've been mistreated or they have certain aspects about them that seem, it just doesn't seem right. Um, if you don't feel right about something, it sh you should report it. Um, and, and that's happened a few times in restaurants, believe it or not, in restaurants where they've, in the States, where they've actually ha gone and raided and find people that were being held um, and living in the back room and oh. working for, for, for 12, 14 hour days. It's just, it's, it's, and farms too. It's just, it's one of the worst places is the farms. Um, and, and that's another, one thing I wanted to mention going back to the parental thing. I remember a few years ago, but pre smartphones, when the guidance was, when the internet had come out and they were on computers, but smartphones weren't around yet. And he, the, I remember the guidance, put your family computer in a central location where you can watch which we're young, young ones are doing. But now <laughs> All the kids are carrying around smartphones. Now, again, my kids have smartphones, so I'm not, I'm not saying they shouldn't have smartphones at a certain age, but they're carrying around those computers now. So I think it makes it, it really makes parents up their game because I think you, now a kid is never going to tell you everything. I know I wouldn't have told my parents every single thing when I was a teenager, although I never hid anything horrible from my parents. But the, but the point is, is I think Parents almost have a, have to have a better relationship with their kids today than ever because there's more opportunities to conceal and the stakes are 
larger. So it really makes parents have to up their game. And I think in some ways, you know, uh, now pioneer days, you had to have enough food on the table and kill, a, a, you know, enough uh, enough venison or something to, to, to feed the family. But in, in the modern age, I think this is one of the tougher times to parent because there is the opportunity for a, a kid to kind of live a second life that you don't know about. And you got to hope that they value that relationship enough with you that they're going to be pretty straight with you and, and tell yeah, you what's going on. Yeah. Oh, and that's totally it. And, you know, but I also have to throw in, you know, what we, what, we, what we did was put several chapters in and we started telling survivor stories. And um, so we have, you know, the survivor stories of my boyfriend sold me into sex slavery. That's very common. But I also have to throw in that um, also in, in, in the second part of the book, in chapter nine, it's my father sold me into child labor. Oh. And that's, it's, I, you know, it's yeah. really, it's a really, this a really Debbie Downer book here because I'm supposed to be selling. The idea is that it's just to make you aware, but there's plenty of parents that are selling their kids too. So it's not just boyfriends and it's just, yes. um, you know, like I said, and people in our age group, you know, we didn't grow up with this. So this is sort of, we're learning this. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is to a lot of these questions, you know? Well, I think knowledge, as you said, is the first step on the back of the book here. It says it is estimated that $150 billion a year is generated in the forced labor industry alone. It's also believed that 21 million people are trapped in modern day slavery, exploited for sex, labor, or organs. Just... Absolutely horrible. It is a dark picture. The book is in change the in chains, the dangerous world of human trafficking. Uh, Alan, where can people find the book and find all of your books and your radio show? Well, the books. Uh, this one particular is it's doing really well. It's in all all bookstores and of course Amazon and uh, the rest of my books. Uh, some of them are and some of them aren't, but they're all on Amazon. And I have a website for the books, alanrwarren.com and the radio shows houseofmystery.com. So it's pretty easy to find either one of them. And um, yeah. Well, Thank you so much for being a guest once again. I mean, it is a dark picture, but I, I think it's an important one that people need to see. They need to know that these things are happening. And hopefully by shining that bright light, uh, this will be eradicated. Alan Warren, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having, having me and, and talking about the, the book. Thank you for tuning into the crime scene. Indeed, this topic is disturbing, as are many of the things we delve into in the crime scene. But I think that it uh, it does provide a service in the sense to be forewarned is to be forearmed to protect ourselves and those we love. And I think we do a good job of that here. And the people who listen say they appreciate it very much. We don't have those huge numbers of the shows that maybe take more of an entertainment spin on all of this. But uh, we're going to keep our approach going. And along that line, if you enjoy what I do on this show and our guests uh, communicate, I would uh, appreciate it if you would share the show. Um, it's the only way we're going to get the word out. Uh, we don't have those big marketing dollars. So please share the show with like-minded people who are interested in the facts behind these crimes. We'll talk to you next time. 
Have a great week, everybody. And as always, be careful out there. Bye-bye.